Today's episode of Found Down is brought to you by Unwound Retreats. Unwound Retreats offers fun events and travel experiences for nurses locally and internationally. Founded by me, Nicole Johnson, ICU nurse and host of the Found Down podcast, I provide opportunities for nurses to practice self-care, learn, and travel together. These last two years have been brutal in healthcare, and why not give yourself the gift to unwind, learn, and grow? Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unwound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to unwoundretreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show. Well, welcome to the Found Down Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson, and today I'm so excited. I have Nicole Kupchik, critical care clinical nurse specialist, a popular lecturer, and successful entrepreneur, founder of Nicole Kupchik Consulting. I'm excited. She's coming to us today from, oh my gosh, Palm Springs, California, and she normally resides in Seattle, Washington. And today we're going to talk about how she's doing, what she thinks about the pandemic, and also a found down story. <laughs> How are you doing today, Nicole? Hey, I'm doing awesome, Nicole. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. You have a great the- name, Nicole. <laughs> and and as do you. Yeah. And we're not Nicholes. No, we're not Nicholes. No, no H in there. You know, it's, with that, so that's, that, the H stuff is weird, right? Right. Now, do you go by Nikki sometimes? <laughs> oh, so it's, it's kind of freaky. So everyone who knew me before the age of 18 calls me, called me Nikki. And then in college, university, people start calling me Nicole because that's what your transcripts read. And that's how the teacher introduces you. So then I kind of became this alter ego, Nicole, right? <laughs> and so now it's just, it's Nick, Nikki and Nicole. What I'm just you? Uh, Nick and Nicole. Um, and then like people at work call me Nick, Nicole. I don't know. I get I mean, Nicole a lot, but um, Nikki's only reserved for my family. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so, so yeah, same with me. Like Nikki is like, People who've known me and know me well. Yeah. (laughs) I don't care. You can call me Nikki. Anyone can call me Nikki. So (laughs) So you'll respond to all three. Absolutely. So how's it going down there? And um, how how are you? Like, how have you been holding up with this whole pandemic? (laughs) I'm great. I'm just, I feel like I'm going cuckoo, you know, I just feel super isolated, but, um, but I honestly, like, I'm doing great. Um, I'm, I feel super blessed. I have, you know, an amazing support system and my business is just rocking it. So like from that perspective, I feel like I'm doing great, but my God, do I miss people and do I want to hug? (laughs) You know, I just can't wait to get back to like, just seeing people. I love people and I want to be around people and I feel super isolated. And for those of you that don't know, Nicole, I'm sure a lot of you do, but for those of you that don't know, Nicole was like traveling all the time, speaking to hundreds of people. Always, you're just, you were always around so many people, obviously making huge positive impacts with uh, in, like improving their, everyone's education and everything. But man, what a change. 
Yeah, it's it's been a little weird. It's it's uh yeah, it's been very isolating. But I've been doing live Zoom things, and um I, I do um I do a thing called office hours where like I'll do a live Zoom meeting, and anyone can come join me. And I usually want you to turn on your camera so we can talk and chat. But I miss I just I miss nurses. I miss seeing nurses. Um, I miss the the personal interaction. But um, but we'll get back there. I think you know I think in the next year it'll we'll start getting back to normal. So. I'm just so impressed. I know that you've launched, like, you've done a lot of work. You pivoted while you've been at home. Um, you know, I think we've all, we all have reacted differently to this pandemic. And I love that you have just dug deep and like done amazing things. I don't, I don't know if everybody has that sort of motivation, but it's just impressive. Yeah, well, I knew I knew this was going to be serious um, when, you know, initially I have to I'll be super honest, like initially when I, you're hearing rumblings, like I was at the Society of Critical Care Medicine meeting in February. And I think one of the first times I started realizing, like, you know, like this isn't, you know, this is this is probably going to affect us was when I went to this session at SCCM. Um, from a group from China who were saying like, this is bad. This is like really bad. And, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not confident China has truly published, you know, what their real mortality uh, data are. But these doctors were saying like, this is, this is not like your average flu. This is different. And we're seeing a lot of side effects of it. So I kind of knew. And then, um, and then that was at the end of February and then things just started rumbling more in the news and, um, and there was just a lot of mixed messages, but I knew when, um, we had the outbreak here in, you know, in Seattle, I knew this was going to be bad. And on, I'll never forget, I think it was like March 10th or March 11th, I flew to Dallas to speak. Um, I was going to speak at Baylor university and um and like the night before um, i had dinner with some people and they were like you're from seattle we're kind of questioning as to whether we should let you come in the university or not and i have to say like i kudos to them for just being super cautious and saying you know like whoa we think this is you know like you know you're from seattle you guys have an outbreak maybe this isn't the best idea and i provided the education from my hotel room via zoom i knew right at that moment i'm like this is bad and so the next day or actually that day i provided the education via zoom i think it was like march 11th flew home and had an emergent meeting with my team and said okay we need to pivot because i have a feeling all education is going to be canceled for the rest of the year and guess what has happened it was all canceled for the rest of the year. And so I told, I just said to my team, I'm like, everything, any idea, put it out there. Everything is under consideration right now. And, you know, and that's what we did is we just said, like, what have we always wanted to do? What are the things on the list? Um, let's do it. We've got the time. And, that, and that's what we did. And I'll tell you, one of the first things I did when the pandemic hit was I put everything on sale. So I put all my online courses, my books, I marked everything down to uh, 40%. And, um, and I marked the mechanical ventilation down to $49. And, you know, and it was just, it was what my business needed to do. And the nurses spoke because they were freaking out. And they were like, I, I had tele nurses contacting me and med surge nurses saying, Oh my God, I might have to go to the ICU help. And so then I put out a free series. It was seven different um, videos just about how to take care of a sick patient on a ventilator. 
Talked about ARDS, talked about proning, awake proning, ventilated proning, just went through it all. And um, and all those videos got over a quarter of a million views. And I think, I don't know, like, I think just, like, I wanted to do something. I called all the hospitals to see if they needed help. No one needed help. So I'm like, how can I help? Because I, you know, basically led a lot of the efforts for H1N1. And I just felt helpless. So that was the way I kind of pitched in to help was by creating all these free videos. I just want to say probably for all those people out there, thank you because so many folks had to take care of really sick patients overnight and what a daunting and scary task. And I, I just, I can't even imagine. Yeah, like no, our- it was interesting because I, I got a lot of pushback, interestingly enough, from respiratory therapists who were all like really upset that I made these videos. But but I had nurses like freaking out, contacting me saying, oh, my God, I'm being told I might have to go to the ICU and help. Like, what do I do? And I'm like, that's I just knew in, in a week I banged out all these videos and I basically lived and breathed like the production of these videos and just tried to create something that was super helpful for nurses. So Nicole, I'm curious, what do you think, like, how do you think we as a profession and and as healthcare providers are going to, like, what's the fallout for us, you think, with dealing, working in a pandemic? Yeah, I I think a few things can happen. Um, I think number one is, um, I think we're really going to need to take care of the people who are in the profession already. Um, People who worked with COVID patients, I think are permanently scarred. I'm going to be super honest. Like, I think you can bounce back from it, but I think you're forever changed. Anytime you have to, you know, help a family say goodbye via Zoom, that changes you. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like, I follow a lot of meme pages and I, you know, and people have jumped all over me saying, because I always say, I think one of the biggest travesties of this pandemic was what happened with visitors, and not letting visitors in. And, you know, and, but you have to understand, like, I say that coming from being a, on both sides, I've been a nurse, but I've also been a family member who not has had to say goodbye to somebody with COVID, but has had to, you know, deal with ill family members. And it's just, I can't even fathom saying goodbye to my mom or my husband via Zoom. I, I just can't even like fathom. And then on the flip side, I can't imagine going through all that, not having my family there. And like, I know we did what we had to do just for PPE and to keep people safe. However, that's fine, but there is going to be downfall from all of that. And I, I don't know, like, I, I hope any nurse who's listening to this just takes care of themselves and seeks the help they need. Um, a lot of you might know, like last year, my mom died very unexpectedly and I found her and it was really traumatizing. Um, but what was really interesting was I wasn't truly like it didn't hit me until six months later and I started having like PTSD I was having nightmares and a lot of it were patients I took care of that were just coming back and haunting me Mm. and um and I just think there was just so much in uh, how do I want to say it like I think there was just a lot so much heaviness throughout my 27 years at the bedside it all caught up with me after my mom died and I had to go see a counselor. I mean, it, it took a lot of sessions to be okay. Again, I went to a really dark place and it took a lot of work 
to get to, uh, you know, just to some acceptance, I think of like my mom's death, finding her not constantly having flashbacks in my head. I mean, there was this, like, there's this one patient who will just, will, will never, he's like the image of him is burned in my brain, but it was, he was, you know, septic, young, um, ruptured appendix that we had to open his belly at the bedside. And, you know, his, I'll just never forget like opening his belly and his intestines popping out and just like the trauma of all that. And I just think sometimes we just, we just keep going, right. We keep, and that's just, I'm so like, I'm famous for that. You just keep go, 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 go. Never take the time to sit and reflect and it, it, it will catch up with you eventually. And so I just really hope any nurse who's listening to this, just even if you like think you're okay to still talk about what you've been through because it's been heavy and it's been a lot you're absolutely right that there's there is a lot of heaviness and and darkness and in what we experience and what we have experienced and I am thank you for opening up about that experience I'm so sorry about your mom um I think going to um counseling and you know, there should be no shame in that. And, and I agree with you 100% that this is the time that we need to dig deep um, and act and seek help. Because let me tell you what I'm experiencing right now is there's a totally added burden to this no visitor thing. And now we can have visitors. Now we get to tell the family members, they get to choose who they can be there when their loved one dies. Like you can't have four people, five people, seven people, whatever. You have to tell them the nurse is often the one saying that to the, to the patients, like and their family members, like it's up to you to make the choice. If you have to choose between your husband or your daughter to get yeah. to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, it's I think heavy. it's really heavy and yes. it's really upsetting to, um, staff. It's upsetting super upsetting for patients and family members. And, you know, so many of us have been on the other end of really angry, angry family members during this pandemic. So I, well, and I think one of the things you have to be able to do, and I will tell you, it took me, I think, honestly, two decades to get to this point is you have to realize that that anger is, is not at, at or with you it's the situation and um like so one of my last shifts at harborview um uh two years ago i was accosted by a family member and i think you know and it was it was really interesting to reflect on this this situation i had a um just a daughter who was just livid and everything i did she was just mad right and um and i just in the 20 something year old nurse of me would have responded very different but the you know 40 something year old nurse just stopped to her and said you know i just said i can see you're hurting you know how can i help you through this what can i do to help you and that it was the, like saying that was a game changer and she just opened up and started bawling and just like let loose. It was nothing to do with me. I was just, you know, again, we all have a different level of emotional maturity. And in that situation, I was just an easy target. And, um, you know, but I think the 20 year old in me would have gotten really defensive and just in, um, it made the situation worse. Whereas the, you know, a little more emotionally mature 40 something said, you know, I can see you're hurting. What, what can I do to make this better? You know, I can't 
help your mom's health situation much. It was, you know, we're kind of at a point of no return, but like, what can I do to make this situation better? And by the end of it, we were hugging and like, I honestly was like worried initially she's going to punch me because she was just so hateful and so mean, but it was just the way she was working through her emotions about the situation. Yeah. It's, it's how people, people are just coping, right? They're yeah. just coping through this, this situation that they don't have any control over. And I, I agree with you, Nicole, that I, family is such an important piece of, of a patient's sort of recovery. And like, and it would be very traumatizing to just be alone. Like, I mean, our COVID patients are alone in their rooms for like, yeah, uh, hours. 30, 30 days at a time, you know, yeah. I mean, obviously nurses come in and staff members come in, but their own family can't come see them. So, um, well, and it's like the little things of like, like I would feel comfortable with my husband saying, Hey, can you fluff the pillow? Can you get me my lit chapstick? But you know, I don't know personally, like, I think I would be like really worried. I was taking away time and just would suffer in silence. You know, I don't know. I just, every patient's different. Cause I know a lot of you are like, are you kidding? My patient requests everything, you know, but it's just, it's, it's tough. You know, it's, it's really tough. And, you know, I think you just have to, everybody just needs to be kind to themselves and just empathetic to these patients and what they're going through. And it's just, but I think take care of yourself first, right? Because if you don't take care of yourself, this whole entire, you're not going to last as a nurse, first of all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and secondly, I just taking care of yourself. If you, if that lacks, there's going to be long-term fallout from that. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, I've, I've, I've even had to like come to the point of like, just get on my freaking Peloton for 20 minutes. Maybe it's not the hour I wanted, but the 20 minutes does something for me. You know, that self-care of just, doing something for yourself to maintain sanity. And I, I have to tell you, I can't even imagine all of our colleagues who are not only nursing, but they're trying to school their kids as well through all of this. And it's like, our jobs are not optional, right? I mean, you have to show up, you have a shift, you got to show up and it's a long shift. And I can't even imagine what some nurses are going through having to school kids and worry about family. I mean, just be kind to yourself and take care of yourself. That's my advice to everybody out there. You've got to do something for yourself. Amen. You guys, you heard Nicole. You have to do that. Take care of yourself for sure. And now a moment from our sponsor. Hi, it's Nicole. I finally have a merch store. Go to founddownpodcast.com and select merch from the drop-down menu. It'll pop you over to the merch store where there's a lot of stuff there. It's a great way to support the podcast. Also, I wanted to say a quick shout out to some of my biggest supporters. Honestly, I couldn't do it without you guys. Uh, my husband, Rob, Claudio, Laura, Katie, Krista, Carrie, Des, Megan, Gerard, Aaron, um, and there's a lot of other people out there. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to switch gears a little bit. And Nicole told me, and I don't know anything about this story. But she said that she had a recent experience in the last year where she had to perform bystander CPR on someone. 
Oh my God, Nicole, can you talk about your own found down story? Yeah, absolutely. This is crazy. Um, okay, so this was a year ago. And this is, um, so the, for those of you who don't know, I travel a lot. I usually put in over 150,000 miles a year and I'm like the highest level you can be with Marriott. That's how much I travel. And I was, it was 1030 at night and um, I landed at SeaTac. And I, I have like a system because I am like all about time management, right? So as soon as I land, um, I ended up having to check bags frequently because I hurt my shoulder from carry-ons. And oh. so anyway, so what I do is I go immediately to baggage claim. And as soon as I see my suitcase, I request an Uber so that I can, you know, save time because SeaTac last year before the pandemic was just crazy. So I requested an Uber and oh my God, I was ticked because it said my Uber was going to take 15 minutes. Like I was just like, it's 1030 at night. All I want to do is get home. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? 15 minutes for an Uber? Right. Whatever. Right. Right. So, and you live really close to the airport too. So you're just like, <laughs> get me home. God I damn it. I want to see my husband. I yeah. my dog. Like TikTok, you know, bedtime's 11, right? Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so I'm, I get my luggage and I'm going into the Uber waiting area. And if you've ever been to SeaTac airport where the Uber is, it's like a, you know what show it's crazy. It's, it's just, it's chaos. And I'm rolling up with my suitcase and I hear, you know, oh my God, is there a doctor in here? And, you know, smart, but me who my sarcastic little devil is always sitting on my shoulder is like, yeah, I haven't better yet. There's a nurse. Right. You know? So, uh, so anyway, so I'm like looking and, and I see this woman laying on the ground and she's like, he, her chest is like heaving. Hmm. And I'm like, Hmm, that's not good. And so I'm looking and, um, and I said, you know, I just said, I'm a nurse. Um, I'll be right over. And there was like this stupid, this concrete barrier that like came up to my mid chest. I could not get to this woman. So this was not pretty, but I like flung myself over this concrete barrier. And I looked at her. I'm like, start CPR. And so I remember somebody saying, but she's breathing. And I'm like, it's not normal breathing. Start CPR. So anyway, so I get up there and um, this woman was amazing. Started CPR. And I'm like pointing to people, you go get an AED. I like, I felt I was so like bossy, right? You call 911, you know, like bossing everyone around. And then um, the two minutes came and I took over for her. And so there were three of us, me and two other women who did CPR um, for uh, 10 minutes at minute eight, an AED arrived. And, um, and it is kind of crazy. So uh, so we put, I put the AED on her and you know, it was, you know, how you're in a code and you're like, I'm not sure. Are they really arresting? Is that my pulse, their pulse? Cause if I yeah. call code blue, there's gonna be like 30 people in this room and like T minus one minute and it's going to be a, you know what show. And you know, yeah. I'm like, so you doubt yourself, right? I mean, yeah. you could have V-fib on a monitor with a, you know, a flat A line and you're still doubting yourself. So like, is that really V-fib? Yeah. Yeah. And right. I was doing the same thing with this woman. I'm like, oh my God, is she like really dead? Cause I'm like, I didn't feel pulse. And then I'm like, she died with her eyes open. And I'm like taking my hand and like flicking it in front of her eyes and there's no blink reflex. I'm like, oh my gosh, she really is dead. So uh, oh shit, <laughs> it's, it's, you just, you totally just, you, you doubt yourself. And I don't know why we do that. Right. So anyway, um, I put the AED on her and it said shock advised. And I'm like, no way. I'm like, she's in VFib. Holy crap. You know? So anyway, so we stay on the chest. I mean, I am talking this woman did not go without chest compressions for more than 30 seconds, like the entire 10 minutes. Like we were on her and, um, 
And so we shocked her, got right back on the chest and I did the last round of CPR again. And, um, and then I checked a pulse as soon as I was done. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's got a pulse. And then she started breathing. <gasps> and I, I was like, oh, we, we got her back. Like, and then it was so weird. Cause at, at that same time, at the 10 minute mark, um, EMS arrived and, I like gave report to them and it was so funny because it was, you know, we kept it really controlled. We did hands only. We did, we did not do mouth to mouth. These police officers came up and they were insisting that we stop CPR to do mouth to mouth. And I'm like, sir, I am not stopping CPR. We are going to stay on this chest. If you want to do mouth to mouth, you go ahead, but we're going to do CPR. And, um, and I just told him, I said, I'm a nurse. Like I teach the stuff, you know, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like want to come across like that, but you know, so anyway, um, and so he like tried to do mouth to mouth on her. I'm like, dude, you, you do you. <laughs> so, so EMS comes, I report off to them and literally right at that moment, my Uber arrives and I'm like, this is really weird, but I guess I'm just going to go get in the Uber. Cause like, what else can I do here? You know, like, so anyway, so I just kind of waved goodbye to the other two women that were doing CPR with me. And like, we should have gotten each other's names, right? Like, like we didn't do any of that. And so anyway, I get in the Uber and then I'm like decompressing on the way home. Like, holy God, I just did CPR on somebody for 10 minutes. And it made me, me and two other women. Right. And we just shocked her and holy crap. And now I'm just going to go to sleep. Like <laughs> it's just such a weird thing. So then um, the next day I called uh, EMS and I'm like, you know, of course I'm like, can you connect me with her? I want to know like how she's doing. And they said she woke up at the scene and they took her to a STEM into a hospital that does STEMIs. And they said the only way like they, we could ever meet her is if she were to reach out to me. And so I've, unfortunately I've never gotten a call or anything like I would love to meet her. I'm hoping she did well. I'm hoping she's still alive, but she did wake up at the scene. And if the two other women who were there, if they happen to be listening to this, you both rocked it. You women, you both of these women were amazing. And, um, and it was just like, holy crap like that, you know, and, and like, I think about all the doubts I had. Can you even imagine if you were a lay person? How, and this is why our bystander CPR rates are so low. I mean, you know, and she was doing like an agonal respiration. And, and now, because I, I lecture on resuscitation all the time, now I teach this. And I found some great video and I found an awesome study showing if you arrest and have those agonal respirations, your chances of getting ROSC or return of spontaneous circulation are much higher. So, so I teach this all the time. I think BLS classes need to, um, need to really stress this. But now the 911 dispatchers don't ask, is the patient breathing? They say, are they breathing abnormally? Is you know, and not because of that situation, but because we know what we know about agonal respiration. So yeah, so that's my found down story. What? Oh my God. Were you able to go back to sleep or go to sleep that I night? I was wired. I was like, I mean, first of all, I got a really good workout, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, and, uh, but it's so funny, like, you know, cause again, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 50 next year. So I like think about weird things, right? Like, so we're doing CPR on this woman and these police came up and they were ready just to cut her shirt right open. I'm like, no, there were so many people standing around. Like it was 1030 at the Uber. And I mean, there were at least 50 people who made a circle. Like, it was almost like, you know, when you're in high school and you're like at a dance and like somebody who dances really good, like gets in the middle 
mm-hmm. and they do their dance off. It was almost like that. Like we had a circle of people all around us just gawking at us and taking video. And I was, oh. I mean, I was like horrified. Like one guy, I'm like, stop videoing. You know, like I was yelling at him, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just so, it's just so rude. Right. And, um, but they were wanting to rip off her clothes. And I'm like, no, we can do everything. We, I shocked her. I put the pads like right or, you know, under her clothing. We kept, I wanted to keep her. Isn't Decent. that so funny? Like that's what I was worried about. I was worried about not exposing her and, um, you know, and I put my metronome on, on my phone. Like I was like, you know, when I wasn't doing CPR, trying to orchestrate things like you would in a code, but on the cement the pavement of a parking lot. So yeah, it was, it was interesting. Well, crazy th- stuff. That is so wild. I yeah. love that. I just love that she happened to be on a really hard surface. So that also made it was amazing beneficial for CPR. And she just like beautifully like went to the ground laying straight and like wasn't wedged in between cement blocks and we had plenty of space to work. I mean, yeah, you know, it was like the stars and the moon aligned and I just, I really hope she's doing okay. I have no way of ever knowing, but I really hope she's doing okay. I cannot believe that that happened to you. And I just it's crazy. I, and I love that your Uber was 15 minutes late like you said the stars totally aligned yeah (laughs) um can I ask you a question sure what what would you say to folks who like we're in a situation like yourself like you come across somebody like that and and they might be like oh my god I can't do that or like what would you say to them do it. (laughs) You know, like if, if you're questioning, just do it. If somebody is not in arrest, they will move and they will try to get you off their chest. You know, um, there are, there are data saying that, you know, you're not going to harm somebody by doing CPR if they have a pulse. I'm not, you know, I mean, obviously check for a pulse, but you know, I mean, it's just, that's why our, out of hospital cardiac arrest survival is so low is because there is a lack of bystander CPR, so I just do it and do hands only. Like, I don't know, like, I'll just be honest. Like I am not comfortable putting my mouth on someone else's mouth. The data are clear. You don't have to do it. So don't do it. Just, but, but you want to know something crazy, Nicole? This is crazy. It took eight minutes to get an AED to us. We found out, I found out the next day when I called, there was an AED only 40 feet away. What? Yeah. Yeah. There was an AED only 40 feet away and no one, you know, like that worked at SeaTac, no one knew where it was. Um, and it wasn't that anyone was like negligent. Don't get me wrong. They oh, found no. us an AED. They found us an AED pretty quickly, but um, they had to go back into the main building. Cause you know, the, the parking is separate from um, the main the building. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so they had to go find the AED and then bring it back. Mm. I just think that that speaks to though, what happens when you get flooded with adrenaline too, right? Like it's hard to remember like where stuff is and what do you need to do? But that's why we work all these algorithms all the time. That's why we try to remember, you know, where is, where is the code button? Where is the, you know, code card? Where is the, whatever it is. Um, Yeah. But, but 
but you know, I think for out of hospital cardiac arrest, I'm super hopeful. Um, one thing that's being studied right now are drone delivered AEDs um, are being studied. And they're actually using them in the Toronto region. So they deliver AEDs by drone. And then the other thing that's happening is um, there's this movement to register AEDs. With there, there's an app called Pulse Point. Mm, mm-hmm. And for anyone listening in Seattle, we are part, we participate with Pulse Point. And um, so like you'll get pinged if there's a 911 call for a cardiac arrest um, with that comes within two blocks from you as long as you've got your your uh, location services turned on on your phone your smartphone uh, you can be pinged and again the app is called pulse point but there is a movement to register aeds but I'll, I'll be super honest like i think all of this needs to come from a federal like it needs to come federally where we all participate because right now it's just it's it's mismatch you know like like some cities participate some cities don't mm-hmm. some cities register aed some don't you know so i think like truly if we want to move the needle i think there really needs to be a, a federal mandate and push for um 911 services to get kind of uh you know dialed into an app or some sort of service where you can notify people to do bystander cpr that's the only way we're going to really move the needle to mm-hmm. improve outcomes well, I love it. It's an opportunity to do better. To I congratulations on I'm just going to this is going to sound weird, but I know cuz you, you I know you're humble, but congratulations on saving that woman's life. Like you oh. you guys, I mean it it really it took you being there and the other people doing CPR, but like I don't know if she would have lived if you weren't there. I don't know. You know, this other woman was pretty on it. Yeah. I was, I was really impressed with her and I would just wish I would have gotten her number and yeah, but thank you. Thank you, Nicole. It takes a village. (laughs) Yeah. Good. Good. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I, I just, you know, I look up to you and you're such an inspiration for so many people out there, especially nurses. Um, For those of you that want to get some awesome educational resources, you really should go check out Nicole's website, NicoleCupchickConsulting.com, where you can get all kinds of um, books and online courses and sign up for webinars and really improve your practice. So um, but I just want to say, I'm so grateful that you did the show. I, I truly appreciate you, Nicole. And I hope that we can go to, to Mexico again for a, yeah. <laughs> a, a nurse's retreat. Here's to 2022. 2022. Woo. I'm hopeful for 2022. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, and again, Nicole, your adventures too. So congrats on the podcast. I mean, this is, this is not a little undertaking to have a podcast. So congrats oh. to you and, and all your endeavors. Well, thank you. Um, have a wonderful rest of your vacation in Palm. Well, it's not vacation. You're working there, but enjoy yeah, your yeah. time in Palm Springs. And maybe when, I don't know, maybe the world changes. Maybe I'll see you in person. Sometime. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. All right. Well, I'll best treat. Of, okay. Um, well, best of luck to you and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave an honest review on whatever platform you are listening. Also, feel free to share this with your nursing colleagues. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any stories. Just make sure they're HIPAA compliant. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at founddownpodcast. We'll see you on the next one.